Welcome to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Mia. And I'm Carly. And today, we will not be afraid. One might say, we do not yield. Another may note that the story makes me want to live. Not survive, not exist, live. That's right, we are getting deep into Throne of Glass today. Mia has accomplished her Throne of Glass reread in preparation for the release of House and Flame and Shadow in January 2024. And oh baby, does she have some thoughts. So obviously we're going to have spoilers ahead for the entire Throne of Glass series, but we won't be getting into any spoilers for Akatari Crescent City yet. So if you've only read Throne of Glass, this is a safe space for you, babe. For our deep dives, there is a lot to get through, so this is going to be a reading-heavy episode with a little rant at the end about a weekend update with our lives, because Carly and I haven't caught up in a while. So, Mm -hmm. if you're a book girly, this one's for you. Okay, kicking off with Assassin's Blade, which we're kind of going in order, you know, by book, but I think some people might have began the Throne of Glass series with Assassin's Blade or ended. I personally ended with Assassin's Blade, but from your reread, Mia, like, what would you recommend here before we even deep dive? Okay, so I've read it all three ways. So the first time I read Throne of Glass, I I was, like, not really deep on book talk yet. Like, I kind of just, like, ran with it. Like, I didn't even realize that there was, like, a specific reading order. So the first time, same. I read it at the end because I was like, shit, I didn't even realize that there was a prequel. The mm-hmm. second time I read it, I read it after Era of Fire, which is what a lot of people recommend. That's like technically like their romantic reading order. And this okay. time I started with Assassin's Blade. So I did enjoy starting with it, but it was on my reread. So I feel like a little biased. I honestly mm-hmm. think it makes sense to read it after Air of Fire because then all of like the mini novella stories are fresh in your mind for Queen of Shadows through the end of the series, which is like all mm-hmm. those characters kind of get brought back. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it depends. But I absolutely adore Assassin's Blade. I literally don't think I can speak about this book without tears. <laughs> yeah, Mia is a huge Sam Cortland girl. And also we are here to say that he deserved better. Yes. So I think beyond Sam, I also just love like all of the foreshadowing in Assassin's Blade. So especially mm-hmm. like opening up with the Pirate's Bay story literally had me screaming with how important the book starts with Aelin literally being appalled by the slave trade and working to free 200 slaves of the conquered nations and then obviously like the end of the book culminates with her being sent to Endovia after Arabin baited her with a contract on the fake slave trade plant person so literally Mm -hmm. like that sets our girl up like that tells you so much about her character even when she's still acting as Selena and Adderland's assassin like mm-hmm. she she ne- she was never not fighting for Terrison. she was never not thinking about Terrison. yeah I mean that's why almost I do think you know you can kind of read this book whenever because if you start it like at the beginning then you start throwing a glass with her exiting like slavery but you know if you read it at the end it's like kind of like you get like the prequel glimpse at her life before slavery and then going into it so you know but it is really interesting to see her life like before you know like our like main main characters come in but it is crazy how sam Cortland he's only really in assassin's blade because then the rest he's mentioned but he's not alive um but he really is like a main character of the entire series i would say even though he's only actually in one book yeah he was so important like I literally he was so important to Selena to Aelin like I don't think people understand like that was the first person that like loved her and took care of her Mm -hmm. since everything that she'd gone through and he literally died oh my god literally I'm gonna cry okay yeah don't cry Mia all right, any closing words on Assassin's Blade? We're going to be, you know, since we have lots of books to get through here, we're going to be kind of moving, moving right along. Yeah, we're running through it. I think last thing I have to say, my favorite chapter is actually the Assassin in the Desert. I love the backstory with her and Ansel. And I think Ansel is such an interesting character. And there's a lot. There's just a lot. We love the witches. We've said this before. I need a witches novella. There's an mm-hmm. Iron Teeth witch that saved Ansel's life in the desert and gave her gold to go train with the assassins. Like, huh? Who was that? Mm-hmm. What? 
And then it also really sets up how her betrayal really affected Aelin as much as much as some of her other losses. Like she literally talks about it in like the first Throne of Glass books. And then that also foreshadows like how she struggled at first with like opening up to Nehemia as a girl bestie. Cause mm-hmm. she's like, I had a girl bestie who betrayed me before. Yeah. Um yeah. So R.I.P. Sam Cortland, he deserved better. As your mm-hmm. reminder, he had to be held back by three men. <laughs> your friendly reminder. But okay. Moving into the book that's basically started all, actually, Throne of Glass, which, you know, I think first things first, like, it just gives the best wholesome YA vibe, especially, like, for fantasy books. Um, And when I read this series, I had read Akatar first, so I wasn't expecting how YA it was going to be. Like, you know, I mean, Akatar has plot, but it's also porn with plot versus Throne of Glass is not like that at all. I know. I kind of love like the wholesome vibes. Like there's something so cozy about the first book. Like I was reading it this fall, obviously, and like mm-hmm. Sam Queen, like the celebration and like like the Halloween autumnal equinox vibes. Like mm-hmm. it was just giving very like cozy book. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. just totally like they're such babies. Like thinking back to this first book, I can't believe how different things end towards the end. But, you know, we do say Dorian has been that guy since day one. I just can't believe how different he is in this book. Like, he really goes from, like, the vanilla prince to the princeling pipeline. Like, he is just so different by the end of the series. And, like, I feel like in this book, he's almost kind of like the, like, Disney prince, you know, vibe. He, like, falls in love with the pretty girl like who's different from the rest but he doesn't really have like a lot of spice you know like SJM was like throw in a little bit of spice for him like let's make him more interesting Dorian is like oh just the shadow daddy of the series so obviously he's my favorite yeah we love him but yeah like all of their character growth like baby Selena baby Dorian baby Kale like literally this book sets up just the start of the most amazing series ever. If you haven't realized, Throne of Glass is literally like my favorite series of all time. I'm literally so obsessed. This book is my Roman Empire. Aelin Ashford mm-hmm. is my Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the other things that I noticed on my reread was like legit Elena Galathinius, the most unhelpful girly pop in the entire series. Like love her, but do we? Like she was so annoying in this first book. I was like, what and then uh, okay mm-hmm. so like I kind of knew like Selena had some sort of secret slash like wasn't honest I wasn't sure I didn't like the very very first time I was reading a series I didn't necessarily pick up that she was alien um mm-hmm. so it's like one-handed offhand comment um made about her but when Elena Galathinius is like blood ties never break I was like oh right she's literally her descendant I know I know the book one is really like it plays on the like riddle like mystery solving so like Elena could have just been straight up with Selena slash Aelin like from day one but like no like she was like let's make this mysterious she's like I'm dead like I need a little bit of like intrigue right now yeah no I literally felt so fucking dumb rereading these books and like catching the the little riddle that's like ah time's rift that's in the tomb girl I can never solve the riddles okay even in Akatar, like literally the first book with the riddle like Amanetha's riddle whatever like I was like I don't know okay I got that one that was just love but (laughs) this is why I don't play wordle I like can't do crosswords I'm really bad at them yeah well so it's an anagram for I am the first and I was like that makes no sense however like the fun part of like watching her like try and solve it so cute just adorbs Mm -hmm. all right I think she actually technically solves it in crown of midnight now I don't remember but whatever the riddle (laughs) had me tripping Mm -hmm. Elena's fucking tomb being the most unhelpful girly pop like she shows up like five or six times and is always like Mm -hmm. i don't have much time here and just leaves her with the most cryptic message i know i know um i'll never forget too like the magical like doorknob like knocker you know it's almost it's like literally like beauty and the beast energy you know like we're like pulling in some influences there but yeah I mean the first one is just so different like it starts off with this competition among like thieves and criminals and then like where Throne of Glass ends it's like the competition is like irrelevant you know like doesn't even matter by that point yeah so insane 
Also, mm-hmm. like, when you realize that Kane, like, Selena was battling him in the final duel or whatever, and he literally was a Valg demon. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that she took him on as a human, as a little, a little assassin babe. Like, I, she's literally the most powerful person in the SJM universe. Like, I actually can't. Like, the amount mm-hmm. of shit that our baby girl has been through, we'll get into this later. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> Queen hello? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the so. Leo energy. Yeah. But moving on to Crown of Midnight. So I think this really shows how, like, bloodthirsty and badass Selena is. Like, we literally say that Kale, like, he forget he forgot that an assassin assassinates. Like, he really when he's did. so appalled that Selena, like, killed Archer Finn. And we're like, boy, literally, like, she's always been, like, an assassin. Like, what did you think they did? Yeah. And, like what's crazier is that earlier in the book she literally confesses that she hasn't because he's like so appalled when she brings back like the severed heads of like the fake people um that the king Mm -hmm. is like tasking her to assassinate and she's faking their deaths and like kale's like i can't kale and nehemia both are like i can't believe you've been actually killing people and she's like guys i'm not killing them like i'm faking Mm -hmm. everyone's death and then her best friend gets brutally murdered and so mm-hmm. she goes and assassinates the actual murderer, who's a murderer. Yeah. And Kale is like, oh my god. <laughs> the holier-than-thou complex, oh, really? like, really. It's just because Kale, like, he's, like, a soldier, yet he's, like, never touched, like, battle. Or he's never killed anyone. So yeah. he just can't relate. I'm like, this is why women are just better. Like, you're a pussy, Kale. I'm a Kale hater, guys. I really am. Yeah. we'll, we'll get into that for tower of dawn yeah i'm not like a kale hater like i understand his character and his character growth it, i'm just kind of like eh, like yeah. whatever i have yeah. i have other so many other favorite characters of this series yeah that's charged, the thing about but... throne of glass is there are so many characters like i would say akhtar and crescent city there's also a plethora of characters but not as many as throne of glass like we have so many almost like main characters in throne of glass i feel like the other ones there's lots of characters but a lot of them are like kind of side characters and then you have like the main inner circle and like the archeron sisters um and then like obviously bryce and hun etc but like this one we just have so many like female main characters male main characters like it's like hard to choose you know there's just too many so we're gonna be like kale and be mediocre like i'm just not gonna be a fan yeah exactly um but i think honestly the biggest biggest thing for me uh in this book and like it is cutesy like the romance between selena and kale like developing um yeah no i do like the like losing the virginity scene and like whatever yeah the classic like, like YA yeah I think they like have sex like over his like captain's desk and like the other the other guards in the palace are like ooh. <laughs> yeah exactly anyway so like cute Jose but I do think that Nehemia's death like on my reread I actually realized like how important and impactful it was on Aelin so we'll, I'll talk about this briefly when we talk about Air of Fire next but my heart literally broke, like, like really, like, getting into Selena's pain of losing Nehemia and then later finding out that she actually planned her own death because, like, she finally had a girl best friend mm-hmm. and then who's a princess and, like, she doesn't know that Nehemia knew all along that she was also secretly Aelin. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh, my God, it just breaks my heart. And, like, making her blood vow and promise to free to see elway freed like mm-hmm. it's just so important so i'll talk about it in a, in a minute in fire but i love them yeah, yeah. r.i.p yeah rest in peace we really like lost a lot of characters in the first few books i gotta say like these like integral characters to selena slash Aelin's life it's so weird because it's like the first few books you kind of have to refer to her as selena and then like by you know air fire we can kind of refer to her more as Aelin and just Aelin but such a progression um but yeah Nehemia was definitely a fan favorite um also wait we totally forgot to talk about her dog like I loved that little trope yeah (laughs) Fleetfoot like and Fleetfoot loved Nehemia too it's just you know like where is Fleetfoot these days I mean what like 
He's like the only dog in the SJM universe, I think. They, I, I think guess by no, the end, Bryce has a dog. By of. the end of Kingdom of Ash, Fleetfoot is still there because Aelin makes a joke like, oh, mm-hmm. good, we have our private balcony garden. Like, Fleetfoot can pee there. And Rowan's like, yes. don't think that's what your ancestors had in mind. But like, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fleetfoot yeah. makes it. Oh, day one. Fleetfoot day one. makes it day one character. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of this, like, you know, we had throne of glass where it was dorian dorian and selena and then um crown of midnight is when selena then goes for kale and so you know there's like the scene dorian basically lets selena go realizes that kale and aelin have something more that he had with selena slash aelin um but at this point i really did think kale was endgame like, I was like, this is it, you know? Like, we had the one first, then we had the second, in typical SJM fashion. I was like, okay, fair. Now it's done. But it wasn't. Yeah, and, like, we had no idea that the next book was literally going to introduce, like, half of the other main characters. Like, I, when so you read many. the first three books, like, it's like, okay, the golden trio. Like, they're going to be, like, the most important people. But mm-hmm. speaking of, we hop into Air of Fire. Yeah. Um and we get to meet all of all of our new characters and some of Carly and I's favorites. Mm-hmm. No, and also remind me, Mia, since you just had your um, reread recently, but when did Selena slash Aileen come out as Faye? It was end of Crown of Midnight, correct? Yeah, so the last line of Crown of Midnight, or tech, so in Crown of Midnight, when they she opens the portal to see... Um, to try and speak to Nehemia after her death at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kale jumps in to save Fleetfoot. So Fleetfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then Selena jumps in there and in the other world where magic is there, like the Valg world or whatever, the underworld realm that Nehemia's mm-hmm. spirit comes from. Anyways, that's when her fey form comes out and she uses her fire magic to kill whatever Valg demon came mm-hmm. sniffing around. And then Kale's like, holy shit. Yeah, um and exactly. so then that's when kale at the very end of the book convinces the king to send her to wendland to try and assassinate um prince galen <laughs> and the mm-hmm. ashtrippers um, yeah and so that's how it happens and so she leaves him the riddle to go look up ash river eyes and that's why so the very last line of the book is kale realizing holy shit she's the ailing ash river galathinius the heir to the throne of Terrison. Um, yes. so yeah so that's the very ending of crown of midnight and so we go yes. into air of fire realizing that that's her identity um, yeah i think air of fire is one of my favorite throne of glass books like because we like you said we she just had this whole revelation um that she's fey we just found out oh my god she's elin ashfire whatever and like the full name not the yeah, full I'm legal like, name i'm like i'm not i'm not going into it right now with how much i butcher the names i'm like we'll leave that but yeah, it's just so crazy. And then who are we introduced to? Fucking Rowan. And I forgot until like, you know, we were kind of talking about it, like how brutal the enemies to lovers with Rowan was. Like literally this man punches her and they hated each other. Like hated. Yeah, they were like so like literally like she was so miserable. And I I mean, I think like this is also like what sets up their love story being so beautiful is that they meet when she's in like the darkest place, like literally like through their training when he says like, I'm going to like give up on you, like you're not worth the fight. Like you literally would have been more useful if you to the world if you had actually died 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. I think there's a line where it's she's literally like that like tiny little spark that like or ember that she had left just like snuffed out and she was just like there's literally nothing to fight for anymore and Mm -hmm. then slowly the two of them start falling for each other i love the scene um i know did he ever apologize for saying that thinking about it yeah i think so okay i feel like yeah Yeah. um Mm -hmm. but i think the crowning jewel in the turn of their relationship the bathtub the Mm -hmm. scars the who did this to you who did this to you that is literally the best trope in like fantasy books i love it like the protective male energy like give that to me literally um that's really the turning point in this book um but other than rowan and aelin's budding romance it's funny because in this book we get introduced to manon the and like the iron teeth witches 
I was so bored by her chapters, guys. And I've seen this on TikTok. Like, I know it was a common feeling where everyone was like, I want to get back to Aelin and, like, Kale. And I want to get back to, like, the people that I know and love. I don't really care about this witch. And, like, all we were really seeing was, like, the witch's core and, like, you know, kind of hearing more about that. So I was just like, mm, not super interested. By Queen of Shadows, I was in deep with Manon. Like, I think still, like, Dorian and Manon are still my favorite characters in Throne of Glass. I need a Minorian novella. We'll talk about that later. But it's just so funny how at first I was like, fuck this bitch. I do not give a shit about this little witchy girly. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because Air of Fire is basically like a, a 2.0 of world building because mm-hmm. suddenly Aelin is training with Rowan at Mistward in um, Dornell. And then we're also introduced simultaneously to Manon and the Iron Teeth, which is like basically a whole other world and like set of characters and like circumstances mm-hmm. and like understandings and like how their works. I mean, technically, we had Baba Yellowlegs in Crown of Midnight. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Aelin becoming. Oh my God, Baba Yellowlegs. That scene is so like. And oh my God, Bob, the Baba Yellowlegs, she's the first person to say nameless is my price. Oh, mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But. Yes, yeah, so Air of Fire, we're introduced to Manon, the witches. I kind of had the same experience, but then, of course, on my reread, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah, I literally was like, my husband is. is back and my baby girl is back. So, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> mother no, was actually. mothering. Yes, yes. Um, But no, we got a lot of new faces in this one, including Rowan and Manon. Um, I believe a lead as well Um, in this one. Air of Fire? I don't mm, Wait, no. Definitely in Queen of Shadows. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Air of Fire. I believe Air of Fire. She's trying to spy on Manon and mm-hmm. more out. Exactly. But someone we forget about and I think very much gets glossed over is Sorsha. Um, so she was a healer and Dorian basically falls in love with her. Like she's, you know, just kind of this normal girly and this is just Dorian's like Prince era, like before he became Prince Lang. Like this is him and his in his like Disney Prince, you know, era. And he just easily was falling in love with this girly. She ends up getting her head cut off. And that was the end of Dorian's innocence. Queen of Shadows, we are introduced to Prince Lang Dorian. And I gotta say, I know people might love the like little disney prince version of dorian but, like give me princeling any day this is when like his turning point this is when he has this glow up like he while infested from- with a demon yeah he goes from hot to sexy yeah, yeah i mean he was infested with a demon but then look at it the demon leaves so you know i don't know but yeah sorsha so sorry i've forgotten rest in peace um I like Manon. I like Minorian. So sorry, Billy. But yeah, so I mean, obviously, it's always the last hundred pages of any SJM book. Shit hits the fan. So yeah, the ending Mm -hmm. of Aaron Fire, literally realizing like, oh shit, Dorian's magic is out. The king puts the collar on him. Kale runs away. It like Aelin is on a boat back to um Rifthold. It's all just a fucking massive mess. She's accepted her identity as Aelin. Just gonna go fight. Like Mm -hmm. yeah, so this is the full Aelin turning. Oh my god, she broke the fucking blood oath with Maeve. Yeah, so we're introduced to how much of a cunt Maeve is also. (laughs) Um but she breaks the blood oath for Rowan and then he takes the blood oath to her. Aelin literally surrounds her city and is like I'll burn your city to the ground. And Maeve is like, it is stone. And Aelin's like, your people Not your are. people. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Love that. Badass. Girl. Badass girl. Yeah. No, this is definitely a turning point book. And then I think it kind of sets up the rest of the series. So let's talk about Queen of Shadows. Because Miss Sarah J. Mass's rent was due. Like, it was due in this book. I would say that this book has some of the best moments and quotes um, of the whole series. I adore this book. Every single time I read it, my first read, my second read, my reread, I am literally just living for it. It's so, like, adrenaline, action-packed, like, all of Aelin's, like, crazy schemes getting unlocked. But then literally, like, some of the best quotes like most known quotes from the series the whole series are from queen of shadows this is the first time we get to whatever end and like 
oh, if that is just mm-hmm. not like a dagger to the fucking heart with Rowan and Aelin. Rowan and Aelin's development in this book, like the struggle, like Rowan being like, I'm not ready, but then like both of them are falling in love with each other. Like their mm-hmm. reunion scene, literally like my Roman Empire. I think about it so often, him showing up in the alley <laughs> and her running and like hugging him in front of Aelin, uh, in front of Adian and Nazarin. Literally, I cry. Yes, Adian, Adian. Um, we also get intro to Adian, and um, I love Adian. I think, you know. He's like a broody little, you know, he's a powerful, like he, what words am I looking for here? He kind of gives Cassian energy a little bit by being like a really good warrior. Um, Love, he's like a bi, bi boy. Bi king. Bi king, yeah. Like when he was like talking about some of the soldiers like under him that he'd fucked, I was like, alien, so crazy. Yeah, Yeah, so like- (laughs) Adian's rescue scheme scene is like literally the culmination of like it was so good I literally was like on the fucking edge of my seat like slipping through these pages so quickly like <laughs> the the whole like sneaking in with the dancers like all, mm-hmm. everything going to shit Aelin pretending to be Arabin and like where like the other courtier yeah this is through, and then saving Adian literally breaking him out of the glass castle this book has a lot and also it's one of I think it's begins where throwing a glass books start getting lengthy um i read these on kindle and the way that i ate these up like ate it up like i was swipe like the kindle read it was just so quick where now i'm like if i did a book like a physical copy read like how different would that be because i think i finished this book in like a day or two like yeah. fully oh same mm-hmm. yeah I, w- I was literally, like, glued to my couch. I did not move. The- mm-hmm. I probably read this one, like, fastest for the length, considering. Yeah, exactly. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I literally love this book so much. It's just so good. Um, I also think, like, all of the foreshadowing here, like, when she gets in the pit fight and says her name is Ansel of Briarcliff, like, mm-hmm. she's planting all of these freaking seeds. It's just so crazy. But the one thing is she's doing all of the scheming right and she's like sneaking out in the middle of the night and like not telling Rowan and Adian like what she's doing and it's because the last time she let someone in on her plans it was Sam and he was tortured caught and tortured and died for her for their plan Mm -hmm. going wrong and Mm -hmm. I am literally just like the growth of like Adian and Rowan being like let us help you like we're your court like we want to serve you oh Our girl. Yeah, no, it's this girl has a lot of baggage um, <laughs> that really affects her to this day. But yeah, I mean, that's a really important asset of this. Going back to Dorian, I'll believe whatever color you want me to. Like, introing Dorian Resiliard. And this is when Manon started slaying. I was like, girl, I started being like, where are the Manon chapters? Like, I was fucking flipping through this shit looking for her name. Like, she was such a baddie um i just folded immediately when dorian said this and then i knew i was a goner yeah oh fucking folded i like i'm sad (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm sad um but yeah and then like also part of our throne of glass version of the golden trio i mean kale this book is kind of when he comes to like a head with Aelin calls her a monster so I think this book is what really made me kind of a kill hater like before I was like he's fine you know but then when he became anti-Aelin is when I was like you do not attack my girl move back step back sir yeah no 100% I think like that's like the common thing and it's just hard because it really does get you like deep into how complex his character is because he's struggling with like having literally given up everything he's ever like known his whole life mm-hmm. um but literally just the whole book oh so good I think some other funny moments are like Rowan literally acting like the surreal and just showing up and dropping tea like literally in like one conversation saying uh Lysandra what are you doing shifter and also oh Adian did you ever know your father it's Gabriel spoiler alert my best friend Rowan really spilled it and I do love um Gabriel being Adian's father like that's a good trope um which we'll also talk about 
a little later, but you know, Rowan just, he just like knew everything. He kind of comes in, he's older. He comes in with this like wisdom and just drops tea on everyone. <laughs> exactly. Rowan fucking Whitethorn. And he's kind of iconic in Queen of Shadows. Mm-hmm. But back to the witches, the one subplot in this entire series that always gets me, like had me screaming, crying, throwing up is Astrin and the hunter. Mm-hmm. This scene where she's describing to Manon that she secretly fell in love, like when Iron Teeth witches aren't capable of love, and she fell in love with the hunter, and she had a stillborn witchling, and the grandma threw the stillborn witchling into the fire in front of her and threw her out into the snow to die, like the pain, and then her mm-hmm. being and then like, she's pregnant. Oh my god! And like her literally saying like I flew overhead every few years just to check on him and he literally was always waiting always waiting and he and she had to watch him age and eventually pass away that kills me also the fact that he didn't know she was pregnant yeah like and then she lost the baby it's just oh i really do imagine that in the afterlife they're together um she was reunited with the hunter but yeah i mean i i need an astronaut in the hunter no novella like no i need to know more i would i I need to know about because she like crash landed he found her she was like borderline gonna kill him but was also too sick and like you know like hurt to kill him and they end up falling in love uh just you know that's a good book trope honestly yeah it was so good and like her basically explaining like what love felt like to manon Mm-hmm. Oh, so cute also abraxos yes. and manon like abraxos be uh, this subplot and astrid explaining this to her and then her relationship with abraxos is literally how manon develops and like recognizes like oh i actually do have feelings have feelings yeah <laughs> and abraxos like sniffing flowers in the meadow like oh, i literally <laughs> love him he's literally yeah. like a little bit a little my little baby this is manon's like grinch scene where you know this is perfect as we're in december and you know like the grinch is popular movie and at the end of the movie he realizes that his heart isn't encased in ice and it actually does beat and this is Manon realizing that she has love and she has emotions and feelings as Carly's out of context connection <laughs> strikes again Manon is the Grinch you heard it here first <laughs> yep let's get that trending okay All right. so I need to speak on this experience I say your did... piece Mia <laughs> guys I did the tandem read for the first time and I survived. Y'all bitches were right. It was better. It was such a fun experience. It literally made reading the books like 10,000 times better. It was so fun. And I think like something that like I had been worried about was like, oh my God, I feel like it's going to be too jarring to like get in and out of the stories. But what Mm -hmm. honestly, like it kind of makes it better because Empire of Storms already has so many switching pavs because you're going with Aelin and her group and then Elide and Lorcan and then also Manon and the witches. Mm -hmm. So like there's so much going on. Yes. And so then adding Kale, Irene, Nezrin, Sartax, Pavs in Tower of Dawn, like honestly doesn't throw it off that much. Um, Mm -hmm. And it does make it easier to get through Tower of Dawn in like small chunks. A hundred percent, because I was going to say, as I am a kill hater, I'm still a Tower of Dawn hater. I have not done the tandem read yet. It is on my list to do. Um, And the thing is, is I really like Irene. I like her backstory. I think she's powerful, and she kind of reminds me of Hermione Granger from Harry Potter. So I think, like, you know, I wouldn't mind a whole book about her, but I just didn't need an entire book about Kale. Um, And it really was hard for me to get through this one i'm not gonna lie like emperor storm slay slayed but like tower of dawn just didn't really do it for me i think me and i have also discussed how nezrin's chapters like love her but they weren't as interesting to me either um and like you said there's already so many pavs and thrown a glass in total like in the series where you know, it's just there's so many and like some of them I'm like, I don't know if I needed this, but obviously it gives us like different contexts and point of views and backgrounds. 
Yes. Oh, my God. So it was a lot and it was an experience, but I'm really glad I did it. I survived. Um, I literally have a TikTok, like on her TikTok, reading her eating pod, mm-hmm. like joking about this. And y'all got heated in the comments. It was so fun. Everyone was like, dude, it's so worth it. I was like, okay, I'm like just starting. Like, I promise I'm going to try. You were acting like better. this was like a project. Like literally this was like your college thesis, like to accomplish this. No, literally, like, biggest accomplishment to date. I survived the tandem read. It's not for the week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, put that on your hinge profile. Yeah. But I will say Empire of Storms is so good. It's interesting because, like, it's a mix of action, but also a lot of setup for Kingdom of Ash, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. But there is some, like, intense moments. So, like, the fight in Skull's Bay, like, a lead escaping Morath with the word key um after Cal Caltain Rompier. Justice for Caltain. Another rest in peace girl. Uh, rest in peace. That girl devoured a Val demon inside herself and then used her shadow fire to break Morath, break the like Val King's hold that he'd been building yeah. for years. Uh, an icon. Literally an icon, a legend. Mm-hmm. What more can I say? She deserved better. Um yeah exactly yeah so like so many intense moments and then like um I think another thing is Aelin coming to terms and recognizing what nameless is my price means I was screaming crying throwing up like I was like is she actually gonna have to give up her life to form this new fucking lock and Mm. then making it to the stone marshes and having to go through the mirror and getting all the backstory once again Elena motherfucking Galathinia is being the most unhelpful girly pop in the entire world <laughs> i'm like oh my god like can we catch a break literally i think aelin like they summon elena somehow when they're in skulls bay and aelin's like all right give me the fucking lowdown on what this lock is mm-hmm. um and a- aelin's like elena's right. like glad you asked yeah and then aelin's <laughs> like can y'all see why she's been a little difficult for me to deal with like she's literally so sassy like everyone mm-hmm. is like whoa aelin you really speak into this girly like that um yeah exactly yeah. and get more introduced to more characters gavriel and fenris show up in skulls bay fenris mm-hmm. fenris moonbeam oh. Uh, i have so oh, much to say about him wait, that's another trope is like loki dorian like having a thing for fenris <laughs> and like so literally also, everyone like, everyone okay. folding over fenris like everyone is like <laughs> he's the most beautiful male i've ever seen Yes. No, we have a TikTok about this too that Mia had made where it's like Dorian's exact commentary. I forgot like what it was word for word, but talking about Fenris. And you're like, okay, tell me this isn't like bi coded, please. We love Dorian. Love, Mm -hmm. love, love him. Uh Um, Um, So funny. But, you know, like, like Mia said, this is very much a setup book. And at the end, Aelin gets captured and has to go through so much trauma. And it's just like how much more trauma can this girl take? Let's take it from the top. Her entire entire family was murdered when she was like so super young and she legitimately crawled in to bed with their dead bodies. Then she almost drowned but was found by an assassin king and had to start killing people Um, and her first kill was at the age of nine. She becomes an infamous assassin. Then she fell in love with Sam and then proceeded to lose Sam through like her one of her plans going wrong. Then she gets caught and sent to Endovier as a slave. She survived slavery but then not without scars. She had to participate in a king's competition who was her sworn enemy but then she, because she won she had to work for that said king. Then she lost her new best friend or you know that wasn't really in order but something that happened she got sent away but her new love had to train brutally starting fighting back and then got captured and tortured again escaped um and then you know this goes into the very end but then she has to give up her life and in the end it all works out but oh my fucking god this girl needs therapy and a sabbatical yeah literally the ending of this book was actually like the most painful scene ever like literally with Aelin confessing and like giving her last words to a lead on that fucking beach with Kane, Cairn, Cairn whipping her. Um, mm-hmm. literally, like, tell Rowan, tell Rowan, like, oh, that gets the guy. I literally can't even speak about it, but that mm-hmm. gets me so hard. And then Rowan showing up and being like, Where's my, Where's wife? my wife? And, and everyone's, everyone's like, like, Y'all got what? married. 
<laughs> y'all got married like yeah that's it, it's it's a tough one I'm not gonna lie um it's a tough one for sure and I would say this book's probably I mean Kingdom of Ash is really emotional but like I would say this is almost equally as emotional um and other than that like with like Elin's continuous struggles I would say this also kind of introduces more like a Lorcan scenes, Lorcan and a lead. And like the slow burn is pretty good. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> something we did point out though is um, Lorcan like tearing up his shirt so that um, it's like strips of linen for um, a lead's period because he could smell her period blood. Um, and you know, I'm done with that one. Could have yeah, done with I think that one. It's like SJM, one of her like micro micro tropes is continuously talking about women's cycles. Um, yeah. which is just like a weird trope to me. I don't know. Like, it's like we know they have periods, unless you know, I think it makes sense to bring it up if we're like talking about a pregnancy scare or something like that. But like, was it that necessary to show that he's a good guy because he like ripped up his shirt for her period? Like, have makeshift pads? I mean, yeah, like the most fucking brutal warrior, like literally mm-hmm. like guided by. Although I do think it's cute that like they're guided by. I think it's like Hellas and, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the other the lady of wise things who are like mm-hmm. con- like the, god, the gods, the like consort, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. and like oh my god. Yes. Um, so Alorkin is Alorkin is adorable. I then the other not slow burn that we get, but we do get the Minorian like mm-hmm. flirting, sexy time. Um yes, on the ship. Yes. Oh my god. When literally um Adian comes into the room and he's like, it reeks, it reeks of like witch sex. arousal. Yeah, like arousal. Dorian could not help himself. Like he literally said he like teased her, was like teasing Manon as she's chained up to this bed ends up walking away he's like got you bitch then literally later that day he's like can't help myself goes back and they fuck oh yeah and literally everyone on the fucking ship like aelin knows (laughs) aelin is literally like dorian this is the stupidest fucking idea you've ever had and he's Mm -hmm. like he's like what you get an immortal warrior for a lover and i can't have my own and aelin is like exactly you dumb ass motherfucker like what are you doing I really am realizing I have such a soft spot for the, like, the snow white hair characters. Manon, Draco Malfoy, fucking President Snow after I just saw the new Hunger Games movie. Like, I think I gotta talk to my therapist about this. But yeah, I mean, I was really here for the Minorian scenes. Um, And then Kingdom of Ash is when we get, like, the best, like, sexy time scenes. Um, If you refer back to our sex scenes and horrible hookups um, episode, because we do talk about one of the scenes in there. But okay, I think this is a good segue into Kingdom of Ash. And let me just begin. This is a thick, thick boy. She's a thick girl. Um, I think this book is almost a thousand pages or nine hundred and eighty-seven like... pages. Yes, it's this brutal. Book, for all the Throne of Glass books, I was tearing through them. This one took me a while, like at least a week or two. I just like kept having to close it after all the emotional scenes. So many war scenes, so many war scenes, and I just like needed processing time that I couldn't tear through it like I had torn through the others. Yeah, it's definitely lengthy. I can't lie, I did tear through it like I saw the others. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, oh my God, there's just so much emotional pain in this book. Like the this you know, from I mean, the from the top, like the torture and what Aelin is going through, like I literally will never get over it. It is so yes. every single read. I am and when she just screams hurting. at Rowan to take it off, take it off, like ugh. I literally that I really hurts. Can't. It hurts. Um, you know, she recovers pretty fast though. I think it's because she knows she has a war to fight. Um, also at the end, like we basically had just like Adian kind of rejected Gabriel as a father figure because he was like, "You're here now, but like, where have you been for the last like twenty three years or however old he is?" Um, but he's finally accept accepting Gabriel. Like we're on the road to see like a blossoming like daddy son relationship, like beautiful father son relationship. And then Gabriel fucking dies. 
And and he literally sacrifices himself for Adian to ensure that Adian survives. And it, it just hurts. It hurts. Um, all the father figures, like any parents in the SJM universe, you just know they're gonna be goners. <laughs> That's so brutal. But yeah, it's so, so brutal. Mm-hmm. um no that one that one was really painful to close the gate adian oh that's just never yeah. never not gonna hurt mm-hmm. um but yeah oh my god there's just so much to talk about with this book like literally like i uh i can't even so yeah aelin getting captured tortured by mave escaping the escape scene so fucking brutal the the little the little folk saving them literally mm-hmm. cried um literally like fucking adorable um so like just so many points like aelin and fenris like literally like aelin giving him the blood oath so that he could survive Mm -hmm. from his wound like oh my god i i love their friendship i actually love their bond so much yep um no there's like you said there's a lot going on in this book so much going on and then like everyone has their like separate journeys and then like meets back up like Adian, mm-hmm. speaking of all the war scenes, like Adian and Lysandra literally holding the front lines, like fighting, not knowing if Aelin is alive or not. Yes, like, Lysandra, we bas- barely it, mentioned her. Yeah. She is so powerful. She's literally like saving- She's that girl. Like uh-huh. she actually, like, I think people like kind of people like joke about like the side character, like best friends, like who's more powerful, like, like more, like Danica, like that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. It's Lysandra. All fucking day. I'm a part of Storms, the fucking Battle of Skulls Bay, when she becomes the sea wyvern to fight mm-hmm. or the sea dragon to fight the sea wyverns. She takes down four or five. That's insane. Yep. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, really, like, I do also love Adian and Lysandra's budding romance in this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is that girl. Like, she is so powerful. Um, and I can't believe we haven't really mentioned her until now because I personally love her. And then, you know, Aelin gives her land so she can become a lady. And, you know, Part it's a whole... court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, in addition to just, like, all the shit going on in this book, I mean, like we said earlier, Minorian, like, I need... A Minorian novella. I am still pissed to this day that I got a full novel about Kale when I could have had a book about Dorian and Manon. Like, you know what? I don't care that we haven't had a book so far. Give me an epilogue book. Like, I need to know where their life goes. Um, what did Lorcan do? What did Lorcan do? What did Lorcan do? That will be that's my Roman Empire and also the worst fade to black scene I've ever experienced because what did Lorcan do? But I will say this is why fan fiction exists, and I'm sure there are many imaginations of what Lorcan did out there. I actually think I've read one or two myself. Um and Irene being the one to take down Erwan while pregnant, like slay, slay girl. I knew that she came in. For a reason, still could live without Cole, though, or Kel. Yeah. Um, no, that's so true. So powerful. Like, literally, like, the realization from Tower of Dawn and, like, blah, 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 all of that. Like, realizing that they could heal the Val girlies with Irene. She's literally the most powerful healer. Literally, love. Love Irene. Mm-hmm. Irene Towers. She is that girl. 100%. Um, all the girls I- in this t- throwing a glass universe, they all just... Or that girl. I yeah. have to say they all are. The girls are the, fu- like, literally the baddies. Like, love them. Um, so, literally so much to talk about in this book. The final battle scene literally had me screaming, crying, throwing up. The 13. <gasps> the witches. The 13. I actually can't speak about this without crying. Let's chapter, have a moment of Chapter si- 90. Let's have a moment of silence for the 13. Guys, I have tears in my eyes. I'm at, like, I'm actually like tearing up. Like, I, I literally cannot think about this. Live, 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 live. Why? I'm screaming oh my God. and crying <laughs> and throwing up. Yeah, no. When I read this, like, Mia kind of warned me since she had read Throne of Glass first. She was like, "Yeah, there's an intense thirteen scene," but I was not expecting them all to like kamikaze suicide themselves and then leave Manon as like one of the last like iron teeth or not the last iron teeth but like she was the only one of the 13 to live and then Astrin was the last one and i just can't no i'm really i have shivers i have chills right now and that their sacrifice is what breaks the curse so Mm -hmm. that manon could become 
the next the last crochet queen like i i actually can't yeah can. but manon she's like i don't even want to live without you guys like you know and then you know in this in the area that they all died she plants like a bunch of flowers yeah everyone puts the flowers and it's like Mm -hmm. from fields of blood when flowers spring and it's so sad when dorian finally after the battle comes and he's like are you okay and he's like like, where is everyone yeah and she's like she's like basically she's even saying anything she's just kind of like she goes you won't she goes you won't find them here and he's like i'm so sorry that's why like minorian kind of gets fucked up because at the end it's like they secretly have feelings for each other but they just both have so many demons where like it really does end on such a you know plot like yeah. plot like um a cliffhanger for them because we just don't really like we kind of know that they're gonna see each other again and keep seeing each other but at the same time like she's building up a new kingdom with for the witches he's building up his own kingdom they both have so much trauma yeah and it hurts even more that like they don't like end up together like obviously they have to go back to their different kingdoms but when dorian betrays mave to to steal the last word key he literally is like there's only one witch who will be my queen so like <laughs> i was like they're literally gonna be together and then the ending of the book mm. literally can't speak about it but yeah i can't like, speak about it, it the phantom hands <laughs> it also sits it's so hard that Manon and Aelin like are such foils of each other. Like they're literally like the only people who would understand like mm-hmm. each other's and they hated each other at first. And they hated yeah. each other at first. Yeah. I mean, I know Lissandra after Nehemia become like becomes like Aelin's bestie girlfriend, but like Manon and Aelin are they're literally two queens, like and they are cut from the same cloth. Yeah, exactly. But so, you know, the ending is just so full circle really brings me to tears i mean there's happiness um you know that like i don't there's no foreboding future i mean we don't really know what's gonna happen next for any of the characters even knowing that the series is technically done um but i do hope to one day see a resurgence of these throne of glass characters i will say yeah and uh, the epilogue like literally the last the last scene, the last sentence. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it to you guys. For across every mountain, spread beneath the green canopy of Oakwald, carpeting the entire plain of Thralis, the king's flame was blooming. Chills, chills. <laughs> so, if you guys remember, the king's flame is a sign of a marker of a great ruler of Terrasin in time of peace and prosperity. The last time a singular king's flame bloomed was during her uncle's reign, um, King Orlon. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that literally the entire plane of Thralis is carpeted in King's Flame and Aelin and Rowan are rebuilding and they're building a theater and they're in love and they're safe mm-hmm. and they're yep. Who's going to be in? King. We're hoping that we have some Rowan babies. I would even like a Minorian, Minorian baby. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of questions about what happens but we do get like a beautiful epilogue and just a really good ending to this amazing series all right now that we just deep dived into the throne of glass universe and of course we could talk about throne of glass and like all the other you know subplots action scenes for hours and hours but those were our top of mind thoughts let us know if you guys guys have any others but for now me and i haven't caught up in a bit um so we're just gonna talk about our weekends where our lives currently are i mean uh, you know mia how are you feeling today this i'm not gonna say beautiful sunday because at least in new york city it is downpouring all day and i will be in bed for the foreseeable future yeah so i can't lie you guys woke up this morning extremely hungover but had to obviously kick off this episode because I'm so fucking excited to talk about this. But had a very, very interesting both Friday and Saturday night, Sunday while we record this. But I'll just like give you guys some context. So Friday night, um, our other best friend Elise and I, we go out together and we're like, okay, like we'll start at a bar, grab some drinks, and, like see where the night takes us. So we have two drinks and then we're like, oh, we should go to this like Christmas bar pop up in Austin. That's like pretty famous. So we buy like little like general admission tickets and we're like, oh, like we'll show up with this. Show up that the 
the wait, like the line for GA is straight up an hour long. So we walk up to the front of the line and there's like the little bouncer guy and we're like, how long is this line going to be? And he's like, yeah, I can't lie. Like, that's going to be tough. And we're standing there and we're like, oh, like, what could we do? And he was like, well, you could like ask for a refund for those tickets and like buy the fast pass ones that I could let you guys in right now. And we're like, how expensive are the fast pass ones? They're like $70. And we're like, Okay, Jesus fuck me Christ. up the ass. So we do it. <laughs> so we do it because we're like, we don't want to wait in this fucking line. Uh, and then the guy's like, oh, okay. If you guys had waited a few more minutes, like you could have gone in for free. And we were like, no, Anyways, he did not. He yeah, did not. You did not tell me that. That's oh, yeah. I'm I was crying for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit painful. But then we're at the Christmas bar, had some fun drinks, whatever, whatever. It was cute. Had a little photo op. Uh, and then our friend is like, hey, like, we're downtown. Like, we could scoop you guys and pick you up. Do you want to come to this house party? It's this guy's 40th birthday, and he's having a house party slash, like, early Christmas party. The 40th we're like, birthday party at yeah. 23 years old. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, why not? Like, for the plot, stop by a house party. Like, don't have any other plans. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So we go to this house party, walk in, you guys. Literally, I heard angels singing as I look upon the kitchen counter, the kitchen island, and it is covered in a massive charcuterie board. Like, I'm talking, like, literally, like, five feet of, like, like, like nice dollars worth of cheese. Like, yeah. probably more. And it's, like, the little salamis and roses and there's bread pieces and crackers and, like, mustard and hummus and honey and olives and grapes. And so many different kinds of cheeses. I think I ate, like, half of a wheel of brie. Like, I literally can't even lie. <laughs> and so, like, I'm sitting there and, like, the like some guys, like, oh, like, here, like, we have pre-made espresso martinis. Like, pour you one, whatever. So we down two little mini espresso martinis. And then I'm, like, I can't I can't wait any longer. I'm going to make a plate. So I just <laughs> go make a plate. <laughs> I post up in the corner of the room and I am stuffing my face. Like, literally, there's photo <laughs> evidence of me just, like, hunched over, like, like, literally, like, holding my plate. So funny. I can't lie, girl. If I was there, I'd be right alongside you, like, tearing up the cheese board. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to say, like, back in the day when I would go to bat mitzvahs and such, I was, she was, like, anytime I was there, like, if parents were invited, you were always first in line at the buffet. First in line. Like, she literally would talk to me and be like, girl, like, it's kind of embarrassing that you're like first in line I was like you know what mom let me live my truth but yeah I mean that kind of sounds like a beautiful night to me yeah it was super fun but then compounded because Saturday I wake up hungover um and I'm like I have all these errands to run I'm going Christmas gift shopping like whatever whatever we get last minute invited to a masquerade ball slash like masquerade themed event we're like huh could be worth it. I drive my ass mm-hmm. 30 minutes to a party city to purchase two fucking masquerade masks because <laughs> they're mm-hmm. like, you will be denied entry at the door. We're like, all right, whatever. So we show up. We end up like pulling it together. Uh, we meet some friends downtown for drinks and then we're like, okay, we're going to peace out um, and go to this masquerade ball event or like whatever. So show up, you guys. Nobody else on there understood how spring court coded this event was. Like, <laughs> I was literally giggling to myself. And my mask, like my masquerade mask, was like a butterfly. I was like, oh my God, if I was in the spring court, I would have been a, I would have had a butterfly mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so then was out until three, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And then made it home, mm-hmm. had a little nice nappy nap, slept in, and then Carly was like, "Time to podcast." I was like, "Let's fucking yep. go!" What a weekend! What a weekend! I mean, I guess similar in ways, but also not. I also went out on Friday night. Only did one night this weekend. I really just can't hang with the two two nights, guys. Um, it, I just am too old by this point. The one year I have on me, I really hit um but yeah the nine months really hurt the nine months the nine months um no like when I go out two nights in a weekend like I am deceased for the next week um like literally Mia coming to New York City we went out two nights went very very hard both nights and I was sick for like a month I swear but Went on a Friday with my friend Jillian. She is a longtime friend. I've literally known her since second grade. Like we were besties growing up. Um, recently even like rekindled our friendship. It's been great. Like basically 
kicking off like no time has passed um she's another single girly so obviously mia and then our bestie elise and i and austin especially when i was living there like the three of us especially all newly single like went fucking bonkers and hard and still to this day we all go pretty hard i would say like you know within reason i would say we have fun but you know no one here a lot of my friends in new york city are so wifed up and like so fair but i think when you're a wifed up girl like it's just not the same like you are not partying in the same matter manner as you are when you are single so uh, it's so nice to have jillian because as another single girl like she is equally down she's like yeah yeah no we're getting fucked up because like mostly since moving here you would think i would have these crazy nights and like i really haven't other than Halloween weekend which is a story for another time when mia and elise visited me and then on friday so jillian and i go out long story short we just end up in east village we're at this bar we're kind of like trying to talk to guys but no one was really engaging basically we was just like we want guys to pay for our drinks like why should we continue spending money it was already an expensive night Finally, this man ends up coming up to me, basically being like, saw you, wanted to say hi, thought you were cute. Can I get your number? I, the entire night, was like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. So I kept drinking. And this has been my downfall recently is I keep drinking because I'm not feeling it. And then I drink too much and it all hits me at once. So by this point, that had happened. But I didn't really notice until looking back. I'm like, yeah, I was smashed by the time he came up to me. We start chatting. I find out he's 34. We end up like making out all over this bar. Bar my friend, out. Yeah. Like literally a dance floor make out a diff mo, if you will. Um, And then we're like in the corner. I'm fucked up. So I honestly couldn't tell you a single part of our conversation that we had um, other than just finding out his age. Don't remember his name. Barely know what he looks like. My friend Jillian comes up and she's like, hey, I'm going to head out. Do you want to leave with me? I make the drunken mistake to stay stay put. So she leaves. Me and this man probably head out like uh, 10 minutes later. I'm so drunk, but all I remember is that I was like, I need to find a taxi to go home. We keep walking. We keep walking. And finally, we end up outside of this apartment building. And I'm like, where are we? And he's like, oh, we're at my apartment. This man, like, literally without my knowledge, brought me home with him. And it could have ended really badly, but fortunately, I did have my wits together enough. And, like, yes, this is very hazy, but I remember being like, no, no, like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to find a taxi. He was like, just cut. Like, he was so thirsty, guys. He was, like, begging me to come up to his place. He was like, just come see it. Just come see it. I'm like, bro, it's 2 a.m. I don't need an apartment tour right now. Like, this isn't, like, Architectural Digest. Um, So... (laughs) we he like luckily like helped me find a taxi ends up being like why don't you just call an uber because i was too drunk to even have calling it like an uber like past my mind so i call an uber no idea how i like found the uber anything but i go home honestly i think i might have fallen asleep in the uber i'm not sure um don't really remember getting home next morning i wake up there i'm also so fucking hungover but there is like a wad of cereal on my nightstand because I'm a big drunk snacker and when I drunk snack I eat cereal and you know I was blacked when I I always finish my drunk snack like I will like literally even if I'm like about to pass out I'm like let me just finish my drunk snack like maybe will help me be less hungover and never helps but I wake up to this like wad of cereal on my nightstand and it's all over my floor like I don't know how it fell but it's just all over my room I'm like hungover trying to clean it also being like okay do I have everything like where's my bag where are my shoes where's my coat like I am actually a girl where even when I'm blackout I like hold on to everything like miraculously I always wake up with my phone plugged in um but yes that was my night had a wholesome rest of the weekend, kind of just hung out with my friend last night. But other than that, like, you know, I had not gone out in a while. So, you know, I think maybe that's why the alcohol hit. But looking back, I probably did have around six drinks or so. So, like, not shocking, not shocking. Um, But obviously didn't feel great. Yesterday, at first, was like really regretting the diff mo, the dance floor makeout. Then was like, you know what, it happened. It is what it is. Um, 
So yeah, but I would say other than that, that has been my sole male interaction for probably a month now. I kind of love that for you. When we say <laughs> that it when we say that it's tough out here. Okay, well, I don't love like the creepy man red flags, but guys, yes. it's tough out here. Yeah, so, no, it's it's tough out here. I will say. There you have it. That's our weekend update that absolutely nobody asked for. No, no one asked for it, but I hope that like someone can re- else can relate to making out with someone 10 years older than them and then unwittingly being brought back to their apartment. On the next episode of Reading and Ranting, we're going to be taking a break from our romanticy era and talking about Emily Henry books, especially Beach Read, which Carly and I both adore. And then we're going to be ranting about the female orgasm gap. But we're always looking for book recs. So if you have a suggestion, shoot us a DM on TikTok at Reading Ranting Pod or email readingandrantingpod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading, besties. (laughs) 